That's right, it's episode 236. Getting up there, Christina. This week we're going to be doing two Italian films from 1987. They were released in 1987 in Italy, of course. Uh, Some were then later put out in 89 and 90 for the American audiences, but that's pretty typical. But we're going to be doing Stage Fright by Michele Suave from 1987 and Opera 1987. From Dario Agento. That's right. So two of these films that are dealing with stages. We figured that's pretty appropriate and we should compare them, especially because Mikhail Suave was part of Argento and uh, pretty much got to be taught a lot of stuff underneath Argento. He was a first unit director for him for a long time. Uh-huh. So, but he went off and did directing and there's a lot of really interesting trivia on these movies that I thought uh, we could talk about. A lot of interesting shots. We could talk about how they did. Things uh-huh. like that. So, these are two movies I have not seen, by the way. I remember seeing parts of uh, Stage Fright. I did not see the whole thing because I didn't know how it ended. And uh-huh. Opera, I don't think I ever saw. Right. So. But you owned it. You bought it like a long time ago. <laughs> no, I just bought it on Kino a couple, about a month ago. Oh, I thought you had it for a while. Yeah, I bought both of them because normally they're like $25 or something like that. Like one's a blue underground and it's like, uh-huh. you know, it's a little more pricier on that end. So, but either way, I'm glad we got to get check them out this week. So right. hope you guys are curious to see what we think about these films. And, uh, you know, everybody's going to have their different opinions. Um, these may or may not be our style. They may be our style. So we'll find out. But... Christina, how are you? What's going on with you? I'm doing very well. I am selling DVDs. It is fucking fun. Yeah, did you see that uh, that Facebook group I showed you? Yes. It's a good place to sell them. Yeah, well, well yeah, if there, if but there not is cult or horror. Right, exactly, which we're, we don't right. really sell our collectible stuff. So yeah. We're just selling all our, act, our blockbuster movies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff that we got out of that pile were just big mainstream movies. Mm-hmm. So There's a few that weren't. Right. You know, just forgotten mainstream movies that didn't achieve success. And a, lo- and a lot of duplicates. We got a lot of duplicates in that collection. Right. So we've been kind of digging through and watching those occasionally. I think we watched, uh, what was it, Galaxy Quest? She'd never seen it. She thought right. that was kind of fun. It was It was funny. Yeah, I liked that movie. I don't know why. I feel like they could have done a sequel to it, and they never did. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those movies that, at first, people didn't really like, and then later on loved. Right. Which happens a lot. Right. 
It's like maybe they left, you know, they they let go of the brakes so hard because they're used to putting the brakes on some movies. And it's like now they just coast and then they're like, oh, this is actually kind of a fun movie, you know? I that happened with John Wick. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. didn't like John Wick on the first. I loved it right off the bat. Right, right. But Honestly, didn't... I was a little hesitant to watch it because I was like, eh, fucking Keanu. Right. I mean, he's kind of one dimension. You know, right. and, and and in this in those movies, this one dimension really works. But it's also really well crafted and and made. So it is and written. So it's kind of fun and kind of cheeky. And if anybody needs to buy John Wick on DVD, <laughs> okay, all right, let me know. I no, got all stop three. Stop it! We're not doing that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm hustling. I'm hustling. Jesus, I appreciate the hustle, but come on. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so what else do we got? We're coming up here that we're we're looking forward to. We just got a new trailer for Werewolves Within, which looks fucking awesome. I'm super excited about that movie. So I'll be doing a YouTube video about that. Me and Christina discussed it. We thought about doing it on the podcast, but uh, YouTube tends to do a little bit better with newer movies. So that's why I don't right. do so many old ones. If you notice, like our old movies get less views than our new movies. Right. So it's like, what do you do? You know, so if you guys don't want old movies that's fine i'll do new ones only on youtube fuck you (laughs) no but uh a lot of people were saying hey yeah do more old ones but you know it's a lot of work you know to to get just under 100 views so (laughs) i don't know if i'm gonna do that that often maybe i just need to be better at it and do it more often (laughs) i don't know that's it's just there's a lot going on so i tend to try to do whatever i can when i can Mm -hmm. You know, not every day is like an easy day to go in front of the camera and be like, hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) The the podcast now we got down to a kind of a a rhythm, you know, like we know every Saturday we record. And by the way, speaking of which, we're going to have some guests on here soon. Are we? Yeah. Some older guests that used to be hosts on the show are going to be coming in to fill in for Christina. That's right, because I got to go. I got stuff to do. This is me saying it. So Patrick has to fucking own up to it. (laughs) But yeah, Patrick's going to be coming on. I have some other friends that I want to come on. Um, one of my buddies who got me a ticket to go see Seance, uh, I want to have on. Justin and I talk like nonstop about releases and stuff. He's big on the like collector side, which mm-hmm. is fine, but he still has opinions about movies that I respect. And me and him can literally just talk for like three hours straight no break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, you guys I mean? are fun to listen to. Too. Yeah, I was I was just really enjoying our time. So he'll be on eventually too. So yeah, I got a bunch of friends that I want to have on. Everybody's always like, oh, I don't know, man. I, I just was getting really nervous. And I'm like, yeah, that's what everybody says. Right. Until you do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, Patrick's like was never that guy. Right. Neither were you. What? Yeah. Even before you did this, I'm saying <laughs> like back then you were. Well, yeah, of course, but you have to do you have to do it. It's frequency. If you do yeah. it more often, you feel more comfortable. Exactly. And I think I do a pretty good job making people feel comfortable and also feel like they're fucking working for nothing. <laughs> I agree with that, that one. Well, hey, we all are, aren't we? Aren't we? <laughs> you stupid motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Trying to keep it fresh here, guys. Wake you up. It's a good morning. Happy birthday. <laughs> anyway, someone's birthday out there somewhere. But All right, guys. So now we're going to go and actually do our Hammer Horror Month or every other month uh, that we're going to be doing for two more times after this one. So next week, we're going to be doing two movies, which we're going to spin for now. <laughs> Horror. 
It's the summer of Hammer Horror. Hammer Horror! Hammer Horror! <laughs> so, you know, this is our way of trying to get, uh, you know, get knowledge up, you know? Watch some horror movies. Hammer up, baby. We got to hammer it up. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sorry. Anyway, he's drunken bitch over <laughs> <laughs> just kidding i love you anyway um we got hammer horror month for the next week and we're gonna do this i think we should just do this um spin both of them because we have two groups one that we own and one that we should watch okay do you understand what i'm saying okay. last week we let you guys or last time we did this we let you guys pick and you guys picked curse of the werewolf and i think the second runner runner up was the uh the brides of dracula but i feel like we kind of have to see Horror of Dracula first before we see that one. Oh, okay. So take that one out. I don't know. We'll see. If we get Brides of Dracula, we'll do Horror of Dracula. Okay. That sounds like a plan. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that way. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. There's seven in each category because we did the old house, the old dark house last week with Curse of the Werewolf or Last Hammer. Right. I keep saying that. Just you get it. You understand me. Okay. <laughs> So we're going to pick out uh, the first group of uh, ones we should see, and then we're going to do the ones that we should own. So we're going to spin this. If it lands on eight, we're going to re-spin it. All right, let's go. Let's do this. They're in order. You will make a wise choice. You'll make mm. a wise choice. What number is it? Twins of Evil from 1971. Ooh. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so that's a one-off film, so there's no, like, tie-in okay. to it. Um, and then we're going to spin for the other one, which is ones that we own. Your assumptions are wrong. They're wrong, Alex. These are the damned. It's about child killers. Yes. So let's read these off for you guys so you know what each of these movies are. So Twins of Evil is about a religious sect led by Gustav Weil, hunts all women suspected of witchcraft, killing a number of innocent victims. Young Katie, Gustav's niece, will involve herself in a devilish cult and become an instrument of justice in the region. Yes, fuck Satan. <laughs> Jesus. And this one's called The Damned. I said these are the damned because that's the tagline or whatever oh but it's called the dam from 1962 which is about an american tourist a youth gang leader and his troubled sister find themselves trapped in a top secret government facility experimenting on children sounds like child murders to be well i hope so anyway i don't know <laughs> yeah so those are the two for you guys for next week to check out that's twins of evil in 1971 and the damned from 1962 so you have your assignments you know what to do join us next week <laughs> yeah so i think it might be that time what time is it horse shots All right, guys, so we decided to pick opera for our horror shot this week, which means that Christina's going to do a song for us. So while I back away from uh, Yeah, right. You're the singer. Oh, you're not going to sing? Me. Oh. So this is, we're calling this. Are you done? No. Okay. So we're, <laughs> we're going to call this The Curse of Macbeth. 
Yes, because okay. in the movie they're That's they talk what the about opera is. Yeah, they talk Macbeth. about the Macbeth uh, opera or whatever having a curse, and there's always some sort of tragedy that befalls people who try to do Macbeth on the stage. And in this movie opera, they do they pick a updated version with guns. <laughs> Of Macbeth instead right. of swords, uh, which is interesting. Kind of like uh, Romeo I can, and Juliet, yeah, the which one is with what Leonardo, I compared it to. Yeah, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Jesus, <laughs> he's not crap. I'm. I'm apologize for my speech today. I'm slurring a little bit. Yeah, she's drunk as shit, guys. So. Always and forever. <laughs> You're gonna do the shot with me today? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm gonna okay. actually do it. So why don't you go ahead so, and tell us what's in the curse? A curse of Macbeth. All right. So this is Scotch. Half scotch, half amarillo. Amarillo. I love scotch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it smells really good. Down and in then, my belly. and then just a like two splashes of bitters. So wait, so how much and how much? Half scotch, half armarillo. Amaretto. No, Amaretto. I. Why didn't you catch it the first time I said it? I don't know because it's funnier listening. this way. We keep you're it not, in. You're not listening to me. And then a couple splashes of bitters. What kind of bitters did you put in? Uh, the bitters that we have. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> uh, everybody has their own, I guess. If they, do. it's just the regular bitters. Yeah, just a couple dashes of yeah, that. Yeah, of that. Because smells... you're only doing it in shots. Bitters are used in mixed drinks as right, well. So right, it smells good. I'm excited about this one. Ooh, yeah, it does smell yeah, kind of right? good. Well, and you know, amaretto is Italian, so oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I totally just yeah. I thought that's why you did it because we we've used amaretto in just about every Italian episode we do. Yeah, and the JB Scotch. <laughs> well, the JB Scotch is just a classic horror right. trope, you know, from the 70s and 80s. So right. exactly. They, if you guys don't know, JB used to be one of the like sponsored yeah they sponsored the shit out of invested, everybody yeah. which is pretty much why they aren't as popular anymore <laughs> they don't have the budget i'm just kidding <laughs> all right do we what should we say how about what betty says about her mom okay. she's like i'm nothing like my mother nothing like her and then we drink it okay <laughs> betty's got problems Oof. That's not bad. I like that one. I'll do that one again. That's actually pretty good. The bitters kind of mix it together. Yeah. Make it feel a lot better. As she slams water right afterwards. It's got to get that alcohol taste out of my mouth. Yeah. Why would I do shots? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, guys, if you would like to do a curse of Macbeth, all you have to do is go to longlidthevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shot section now. That's it for horror shots. All right, guys, so it's time to dance in the Italiano style on stage in some weird fashion with a murderer on the loose in both of these movies for opera from 1987 and stage fright from 1987. We're going to go ahead and do that right now. So technically, Stage Fright came out in August of 1987. So Christine is going to do the work on this one. All right. Stage Fright, 1987. All right. A group of stage actors lock themselves in the theater for a rehearsal of their upcoming musical production, unaware that the escaped psychopath has sneaked 
into the theater with them. Has snuck? Sneaked? It said sneaked. Sorry. That's it Italian, was you know. <laughs> it snucked in. <laughs> the stupid tagline is the theater of death. Hey, what's wrong with that? That's dumb. That's better than a lot of them. Yeah, I know, but I don't care. It's still dumb. Uh, all right. How dare you? This was directed by Michele Suave. Yeah. Uh, who Good has job, baby. <laughs> hey, thanks. Uh, he also directed Cemetery Man. Love that movie. Uh, uh, the Sect, The Church. More recently, Legend of the Christmas Witch from 2018. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. I don't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> he... Uh, He's also an actor. He acted in opera. Oh, yeah. He's been in the industry forever in just about every facet. Mm-hmm. And he was also, he's in, he has a, like a little cameo in Stage Fright. And then he was also in Demons, Phenomenon. Sure. And he was second Cat. unit director on a lot of films and right. first unit directors mainly for Argento. Mm-hmm. Okay, this was written by George Eastman and Sheila Goldberg. Uh, George Eastman has... George Eastman, in the movie, he goes by Lou Cooper, L-E-W Cooper, Mm -hmm. which is also known as George Eastman, also known as Luigi Montefiore. Why do you say so many names? Because it was popular to try to sound American. Oh, so George Eastman was saw, his American name. Right. Okay. So was Lou Cooper. But they all tried a different one. You know, like Claudio Fragasso is, you know, he does a lot of different names too. Mm-hmm. So, did, I mean, I don't think Fulci did, but he was pretty big. Oh, okay. George Eastman wrote uh, Terror Express, Erotic Nights of the Living Dead, Porno Holocaust, Observe, Observe. Love that Porno Holocaust. <laughs> um, and then Sheila Goldberg which I'm sure that's her American name. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she wrote Zombie 5 Killing Birds, which we just bought, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, that's. I yeah he that worked funny. on that too, I think. Didn't he? I didn't see it. I don't know. Uh, she also wrote Ghost House, Beyond the Door 3. She also was the nurse in this movie. Also, some of the makeup effects was Pierto Tenoglio, who did Anthropophagus, Absurd, Strike Commando, Zombie 5, Killing Birds. It's all incestual, you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And Ghost House. So, mm-hmm. uh, Some of the music in this movie is done by Simon Boswell. Uh, it is not all of his, you know, just some of the music. It wasn't until Demons 2 that Simon got, you know, to do the full score. Mm-hmm. But this is the first one that he got, so. Okay. This is kind of like the new wave of music that... Uh, some people were using, and you know, a lot of use. A lot of people use Claudio Simonetti and like uh, Goblin and shit like that. Oh. So it was kind of changing. The times of music were changing, and they like to be very current worldwide. So and Simon Boswell's done a lot of work, mm-hmm. including like hardware and a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so the movie stars Barbara Capisti, who plays Alicia. Uh, she was also in opera, which we're going to review next. As uh, Signora. Yeah, she played Signora in opera, and then she also played Magda in Cemetery Man, and she was in The New York Ripper, and she was also in 11 Days, 11 Nights. Wow, she just bounced around from all the different directors in Italia. <laughs> right. Um, also in 11 Days, 11 Nights was David Brandon, and mm. he plays Peter in this movie. He was in Delirium, High Frequency, Beyond, and Beyond Darkness. And Clayne Parker, who plays Irving Wallace, who's the killer, he was also in 11 Days, 11 Nights. And I have a... Did you see anything about that movie? Because all these people play the same exact character in that movie than they do in this movie. I haven't seen it, no. Okay. Okay. I just thought it was weird. I thought I'd ask. Also starring Giovanni Radici, who plays Brent. Brett. Brett. (laughs) I can't say Brett. Brett. 
City, The Living Dead, 11 Days, 11 Nights, The <laughs> Church, The Sect, Body Puzzle, Gangs of New York. And he played Father, Father Stiletto in the Omen remake from 2006. Yes. And he was also in Violent Shit, the movie. Yeah, which is the last Violent Shit movie, which was mm-hmm. like done by a different director than the original. We actually covered it. He's been in everything, mm-hmm. by the way. Right, exactly. A lot he, of stuff. He, he's very famously known for me in City of the Living Dead as Bob, who gets drilled in the head. Mm-hmm. Poor Bob. I don't know why they treat him so. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> um, also, I just want to point out there is a state. There's a lot of movies called Stage Fright. And there, yeah. there is one from 2014 that stars Mini Driver and Meatloaf. It's a remake, yeah. Yeah, that uh, Dragon Tamer Blues from Twitter pointed out to us. Yeah, Blues. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I think he won one of our contests, and he's been with us for a long time, actually. Oh, well, shout he's out to listener. you. Shout out, brother. He wanted us to watch that that two, 2014 one with Repo, and Genetic then I was opera. like, I don't think so. It's not a bad idea, <laughs> no, because it is a it's musical. Not a bad, it's, it's not a bad movie. Right. Oh, you should do that with Patrick. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> he, he gets he gets to choose because he hasn't been here for a while. So oh, okay. I'm not gonna. Yeah, that's true. I'm not gonna lay it on like, him. And be like, fuck lay you. On repo on him. Maybe I'll be like, hey, you get one, I get the other. But he hasn't done it in a while, so I'm gonna try to be open to it. I just wanted to say thanks to Blues. But anyway, Alex, yes. what did you think of Stage Fright as your first watch? Uh, this is obviously very new like fresh wet behind the ears suave because this is his first feature film obviously but a lot of his work is a bit deeper a little more heady Mm -hmm. later on like a lot of his stuff is and this seems a little bit more straightforward as a movie so i don't think he really had his creative claws in as much there is some tones and things that are in this movie that you know it just seems very early on in his career as a director um, of course, this the, at the time, this was considered a B-movie that won an award for how good it was, but that didn't mean it was the most successful either. But it was very successful for doing what it did on a small budget for a first-time feature film first director. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, some of his later work, like Cemetery Man, The Church, these are like those heady pieces that I was talking about that I think he really enjoys a little bit more or did so in the day back in the day he really likes that high horror concept kind of thing going on and doesn't like he likes a twist a little bit to it you know mm-hmm. he also likes comedies too which is another thing so but this this was my first time watching it as christina said and i actually enjoyed it but i wasn't blown away by it like that doesn't mean that it's not good you know mm-hmm. it's just very much in the jolly style movie giallo however you want to say it um they they have a slasher you got to figure out who who the person is you know very classic you know black love gialli sort of style and a lot of ways it has that peel of argento in it too so like you like it feels familiar like an argento picture would be and that's not unseen because you know suave got trained under argento Mm-hmm. So a lot of the same similar styles, I'm sure, early on kind of peek its head through, even though he does have a couple of moments in there where he does his own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, seeing some of the tropes and style in this film isn't a stretch, but I, I don't think that it was intentional. He was just after trying to make a film. Right. You know, get his feet wet as a director. Um, the score is pretty good, too, which if you listen to Simon Boswell's work in it, you can hear the early Inklings, Demons 2's sound uh, score. Oh, yeah, you totally can. Do, 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 do. Right. 
If you guys uh, have ever seen um, Demons 2, which is one of my favorite movies, I love Demons 1 and 2, Lamberto Bava. It's a production by Argento, by the way, uh, who is the king of Italy, pretty much, <laughs> when it comes to movies just about. Um that movie has a really cool sound score, like a score to it that I really love. They do also have a soundtrack to it that's really good too. But the work that Simon Boswell, I think, did in the documentary portion of the movie, because in the very beginning of the movie, this entire apartment complex is watching this documentary about these kids that climbed the wall of this quarantine zone where demons came to life in reality, mm-hmm. which is based off the first movie. Right. They get in there and try to collect collect like samples of a demon and in in the background the music that you're hearing in that documentary is Simon Boswell's work as well and I love that fucking score mm-hmm. it's eerie and creepy and it's perfect like it always sticks in my head I listen to the shit all the fucking time so I don't know that's just my little thing you know it just gets me excited because I love that track and any chance I can talk about the movie Demons 2 I'm gonna do it so right. <laughs> <laughs> sneaking it in there uh but the shots in this movie were pretty good too as they you know sort of have a few surprising takes in the genre but they were limited by budget on how far they could go so this you know obviously is a very small budget film and suave i think did very well with what he had so it's impressive for a first feature film but that said while i can obviously see what some of suave would later become from this film it was not at the top of my list as far as watching it this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's just because I was overanalyzing it or whatever. I'm not saying it's bad either. It does have a faster pace that will appease many people who do not like slow burns. So it should kick off pretty quick and also flow through. There's a couple of minor tight slow parts in it, Christina, compared to the other movie well, that yeah. we watched. Yeah, I do. I know. So don't give me those looks. She's giving me this look like <laughs> like I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Let me do mine. I don't know. I think it has a much faster pace for people who like Giallis who want to get on with it and don't want to, you know, wait around figuring all this other stuff out. It's well within the good ones as far as Giallos go, but not one of the best to me. I'd give this one a six, maybe a 6.5 out of 10. It's more than obvious this film did a lot, but after seeing his other films, it sort of pales in comparison to me. Mm-hmm. Still worth a watch to see where Suave came from. Good for those who want a straightforward type of movie. But again, I like sort of a supernatural element to some of my Italian horror films, and maybe that's why. I've never been a huge, like, Giallo fan, Giallo fan, um, as most people are. Some mm-hmm. people love that really straightforward, in-your-face killer. Right. I like a little bit more, and that's why I think I like some of his later work a little bit more. So mm-hmm. what about you? What did you think? Well, like you said, the music really stood out. <clears throat> it really stood out a lot. Yeah. Um, it was it was a cool concept, the story, I mean, but I didn't like how the psychopath came to be in the theater. I thought that was ridiculous. I guess, sure. I mean, they did kind of rush into that whole scenario. It wasn't really a... a, It was a pretty obvious, like, who it was. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, they still played on the trope. Yeah, it was still a cat and mouse type of... Like, who is it? Like, was it this person? Right. Which was... I thought that was dumb. Yeah. I liked how they made the owl 
Oh, it looked great. Yeah, it did. It looked really cool, especially when it had blood on its mask and stuff. It sure. was really cool. It there's cool. a lot of really cool shots. But, yeah, there's a cool, lot of cool shots. And I did like most of the death scenes were pretty decent. I mean, they could have been more gory, but I mean, oh, I they were pretty why. gory. This but... one was really gory. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> but yeah, it was a little slow in some parts, I thought. Yeah. But I mean, that's just to be expected with movies like this. So I won't bitch about it too much. Yeah. The the actors were like overly acting, but again, it's that's a B what, movie. Yeah, that's what you have to expect with movies like this. I did not enjoy the ending, though. Really, I, I wasn't. I don't know. I thought some of the gore kind of. In, they that's drug one it thing out. I forgot to mention in mine mm-hmm. is that I really liked some of the gore in this. Right, it's pretty brutal. It is. Um, I, I wish you could have seen it's a little cool bit more concept. up close, like a little bit more up close shots. Mm-hmm. They kind of he didn't do yeah, that in this, which is weird because like Fulci and Argento sometimes get up right in it. Right, but that's why why it, it didn't seem too gory. I think because mm-hmm. of the way it was shot. Okay, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. There was a lot of wide shots on the kills, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a couple that weren't. Right, but... right. But it was okay. I gave it four, four out of ten. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's understandable. That's fine. You're yeah. not really into the Italian thing anyway, nope. so I kind of expect it. Yeah, you're kind of a, a prude about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what? Kidding. Fuck you. No, it's great because it's a different hey, thing than hey, me. It would be boring. I wa- at least I watched it. Like fuck you! I watched it, oh, okay. the whole thing, and I well, was yeah, getting that's what angry. We do as reviewers. <laughs> fuck you! It's the least, the bare minimum. <laughs> <laughs> so, at least I had my eyes open. <laughs> I didn't fall asleep. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I gave it a six, maybe a six point five. So we'll just say six because that was my first one, and so it's an average film. I think it's above average. I that's the thing. Okay. I think I think you scored it a little low. That's just my opinion. Right. I'm not making fun of you. No, that's fine. Of course I'm going to. I'm not into movies like this. I think for people who are into slasher kind of films that with that Italian giallo style, I think it's not a bad one. I think it's actually pretty decent. You keep saying that. I want ice cream. What? Giallo. It's not gelato. Gelato. Oh, it's gelato. It's gi- giallo. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It makes me think of ice cream. Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> Sorry, I'm American. I'm sorry. <laughs> Painfully. <laughs> uh, like I'm so cool or something. Like <laughs> I just watched a lot of these films, so I kind of, you know, you get into that kind of shit, you know. Um, yeah, so we do have some trivia on this film and some stuff we're going to talk about in the spoiler section because, you know, we had a few scenes that we really enjoyed. We're not going to get too wild into this one. Um, maybe. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But if you don't want anything spoiled, here is your warning. Warning. Don't watch this. All right. So in this film, you've been, of course, working on many films in the genre for a long time, as I mentioned, as the first unit director for Argento. And he'd acted in a lot of the films, too, just out of necessity a lot of times. So he's a face that I've known for a long time, and he's very much a part of, like, he, like, grew up during this whole fucking thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, his teenage years and his 20s, he grew up in, like, one of the coolest, in my opinion, one of the coolest times to be a part of fucking cinema, uh-huh. which is the Italian horror. Uh-huh. And, man, like, if there's anybody that, like, deserves to be a part of that cinema and be a director, it is definitely him. You know, because he got to see it from just a little wee lad all the way up. So, same thing with uh, Lumberto Bava. Same thing. He grew mm-hmm. up watching all this shit in the 60s and 70s as right. well. 
Joe Diamato, who was the producer on this, said that uh, he was the one that said, hey, it's time for you to direct. Oh, wow. That's and nice. which Suave was like, I, wait, are you sure? Like, you want to you really want me to do this? And he's like, yeah, I want you to direct. And he's like, I've seen some of your music videos because he had done like some music videos for Demons 2 and like mm-hmm. another movie that he had done. And he'd done like a documentary thing. And so he was like, yeah, I think it's time. You need to get your feet wet. And so Avi really wasn't that interested in directing. Mm-hmm. He was content. He thought he hit it big when he was a first unit director for Argento. That's what he wanted. Right. So him being a director was kind of foreign and weird to him because he was just used to just going with what he wanted to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but he said yes anyway, because he was like, obviously, this is an opportunity. I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. But this film is the one that kickstarted his career, you know, because he got an award for it uh, at some festival or something like that. I think in Italy, he Terry Gilliam saw that he had had he saw this film and he was like really in love with it. And he immediately hit up Suave and was like, hey, I need you. Can you help me shoot this film? I'm going to be doing Baron Munchausen. So he did. So he shot on that film. And if you've oh, seen that film, which we just we did. just recently did. Right. You know how like visually aesthetic it is mm-hmm. and how Very. important it is to have the right direction and everything like that for that film. Mm-hmm. So, so he did that. But this caused tension between him and Joe D'Amato, which is also known as Massachusetts, uh, and him because the producer really wanted him to direct another film immediately because of the success of this one. And he was like, all right, let's just, you're a director now. No time to fuck around with second units. Mm-hmm. You know, like you've moved up. You don't need to do that anymore. You know, it's kind of like, like the barista being a barista for so long. And then all of a sudden, like being a manager. And then, then he's like, no, I, I, I still like the art of making coffee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but Suave saw this completely differently. He was like, look, he was like, Terry Gilliam is a visionary. And he's like, I want to be, I want to learn from an American director because that's like a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. For an Italian director to come over and do work on an American film or he was, you know, a British film, whatever, but he was living in America at the time. Um, he was like, let's do this. You know, like, I want to learn from this guy. He's a visionary. I love Brazil. I'm going to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. And so Joe Diamato had to bow out for that, you know, but I just thought it was interesting, you know, that like, even in his, what would be considered his big, you know, like thing, like being a director, <laughs> he mm-hmm. still just loved doing the work so much that he was willing to learn how to be a better filmmaker by going to work with Terry Gilliam. I thought that was really cool. Right. You know, it's, obviously it's not an ego thing for him. Right. You know, although, you know, being a director, you kind of have to have a little bit of an ego. Right. Because you can't have, especially. People walking all over you. Right. Well, depending on the budget of the film, you know, if it's like 800 people working on a film, you really don't have that much of a fucking choice. But you got to keep it. You got to rein everybody in. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on these kind of films, like, it's kind of important to have your own direction. You know what I mean? Right. So um, the killer that was in this movie, the guy was named something else that they named him in that he would never know (laughs) was actually, he was actually a karate instructor. So he was like really big and Uh tall. So they were like, yeah, this is the perfect guy that we're going to have in there. He wasn't a actor of any sort, but he was super enthusiastic Mm -hmm. about doing this film as, as were everybody on this film. 
Right. Because they were really excited to be a part of this film. And I had heard from on another film that Joe Diamato was the guy on his sets. Everybody was like family. It was like fucking Olive Garden up in there. Everybody <laughs> Bread got free sticks. breadsticks. I <laughs> <laughs> would yeah, your family. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, but yeah, no, they they really thought it was a very family friendly atmosphere, and everybody was really enthusiastic to make a really good film. So I'm sure that changed later on when the films got you know, and the Italian scene started to die down in the early '90s because they really did. Mm-hmm. They started to really kind of lower in frequency and it wasn't as like like the government wasn't really willing to help support the films anymore. They didn't really like it. It kind of looked like a stain on Italy, and which mm. is funny because every country wishes they could have that kind of popularity with that shit right then and there, you know? Like, right. I don't know. But that's that's basically it for the uh, trivia that I have here. Uh, I didn't want to go overboard with it. There was a few other things that were in the film that I did add into sort of uh, the the scenes, I think. Oh, okay. That we can talk about. Is there anything up front that you want to mention about the film that you really didn't like or you really did like? Well, it's funny. I thought the whole beginning part was funny because they're on stage and this owl murders this prostitute. The prostitute comes to get her revenge and then Marilyn Monroe comes out and starts playing a saxophone. Like right. that, that was the fucking play. Well, you know, what I really <laughs> I really like that opening scene, too, because it looks like it's like on the street. Yeah, it totally did, because we thought it was on the street. Really? Well, I mean, it obviously seemed well lit like a movie. Well, yeah. (laughs) You know, but it it felt really cool. And I found out about that specific shot in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. They shot at the very end. Oh, really? Yeah, because Joe Diamato, you know, they did this on the cheap, right? And they were using old equipment, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like old ass equipment. And they said that they wanted to do a dolly shot where they follow the cat. And then it goes under behind her legs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it goes up her legs and into her face, and she's smoking a cigarette. Right. This was like a really, like, they did it at the very end because they didn't want to get fired. So they wanted to get it all in the can before they could get fired so that they could have this one opening shot because mm-hmm. he knew it was going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I think it paid off. Like, it really yeah, does. Yeah, cool. It opens up the film perfectly. It does. It really does. But yeah, so I thought it was funny that they had to sneakily, sneakingly, they snucked, they snucked in a dolly shot. <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else that you want to bring up that you you liked or didn't like, or you can talk freely about now. Like you well, can, the, the, you don't have to be like you know censored. The kill with the pickaxe through the mouth was really cool. Oh yeah, although it didn't come out the back of the head, which is kind of weird. It didn't. No. Oh, I thought it did. Just went in her head. Oh, it just went in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it, a weird looking. It was a good shot. Too. It was a good shot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of a close up. Not really. It was a wide shot, a little bit, but you know, you had to see her buckle her knees and fall back into the mud, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. That was like the first kill, right? Yeah, it was. They get the whole, you know, over aggressive fucking director who's like trying to tell everybody how to fucking dance better and that it's all shit. Mm-hmm. That's a t- stereotypical Trope, fucking thing. Yeah. yeah, I thought I thought it was funny that they find the girl murdered and that he was like, "No, everybody needs to stay. We right. need to get this done." <laughs> Fuck the fucking bitch who got murdered. I think she they- only worked here for two days. <laughs> Well, it usually starts out that way in these type of films, mm-hmm. or like these dance or acting or whatever ones. Like, I think it was like Night Killer. They did something very similar to this. Mm-hmm. And I think they did it in like Murder Rock. 
And like, I don't know, like always, there's always something that happens. And this movie, it has a lot from like that genre. There's not that many films that deal with dance and horror. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of like, kind of cross over each other a little bit. So it's like, it always feels, I don't know which is borrowed from what, you know, mm-hmm. because they're all vaguely familiar. I think it was even in, um, what was the movie? The New York Ripper, they had something like that. But I think it was like interpretive dance or something like that. And they had like murder rock and then they had a ton of different movies with like the stage killing thing you know obviously phantom of the opera things like that but we we uh, one of the girls the understudy right doesn't she hurt her leg somehow before that girl gets killed and then they go to the right they got to go to the hospital but they go to a psychiatric hospital right and they're arguing with the nurse about it and then the guy comes out and he's like oh these are hot ladies i'll help you out i just have a sprayed ankle yeah she could have walking on it the whole fucking time what the fuck (laughs) anyway so she goes up there he looks at her leg and and fixes in. He's really nice to them. And she walks past this one room and she stops and she looks in between the gate. And the guy turns over and he's like crazed eyes. And he's like trying to get out of his fucking restraints, you know. And then when she walks back by, it's a different guy, but you can't tell right away. And he has a needle in his neck. Yeah, you find out the guy turns his head and you see the needle in his neck. And it was the orderly. Or yeah, it was like it was. the orderly that told her to stay away right. from the door. Don't stand near the door. Right. Um... So that's how you know the killer. It's him. Like, well, and and they pull up in the parking lot and they get out of the car and he's in the back seat. Do they? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. His, he he comes creeping out the back seat. How did he get in there? You know, he opened the door. <laughs> You're kidding me. I, I would I would have guessed he used his mind powers. <laughs> mind powers. Without them noticing, Christina, smartass. <laughs> Jesus. Well, they, he probably, clearly he got in he through the door. He probably got in there before they even got to the car. He killed the orderly, and then he went to their car. Oh, I guess he, you're right. Because he totally knew which car it was. Yeah, you know? he's good. Yeah. He's like fucking... He's fucking psycho. A detective. Yeah. <laughs> he's like Monk. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's what starts the whole fucking thing. And you got Giovanni Radici, who's playing the part of the owl, and he's sort of a feminine guy that's like... You know, always kind of sass mouth and everybody. And you don't know if it's him or the other guy, like at some point, because they have two suits mm-hmm. and he loses one in the beginning. So he has to use the secondary one. So they play with that a little bit where at one point he gets axed in the chest. Remember? Right. Because the fucking killer tied up Gio, the character. And they stumbled upon him later on. Yeah. And they're like, axe him to death. And the fucking director's like, finally, it's over. And they take that fucking, they're like, wait, something seems off because his wrists are fucking tied together. <laughs> and they, they go, oh, shit, they killed fucking, they killed Whoops. Billy. Oops-a-daisy. Yeah. And that's when uh, the girl backs up and she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then the floor gives way because the guy. The killer is underneath her and he pulls her legs down into like this like weakened part of the it doesn't make any sense because they're in the fucking okay so there's this room in the catwalk on the side of the building and apparently there's a room underneath that that has water in it that's like three stories high it's the cellar. It doesn't make sense. It's the cellar. Like, why is the... he in water underneath her? You're thinking too hard about it. It looked cool. That's it would, why. She would still be like two floors above, and there's a lot of water fucking dripping down the side of the uh, the 
practice hall or it, whatever they're at. It looked cool. It did look cool. But the funny thing is, is like he pulls her through. Everybody's like, help me, help me. And they try to pull her. And eventually she just fucking whoop comes up out of the hole without her legs. Right. She was just half, yeah. half ass. Which is kind of awesome, but kind of like, huh? <laughs> because. How did she get pulled in half like that? Yeah. Like someone else falls down through there and he's like cutting him up and with a chainsaw. Right. You would have heard that, but they don't have any noises whatsoever in there. Maybe they had a noise proofing. <laughs> that was know. pretty cool, though. Yeah, it was cool when they pulled her up. Yeah, can you imagine how half a body would feel <laughs> to be pulling up? They're like, wow, she's really light all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that was a, I thought that was a really cool little scene there. But this is... The other thing that weirded me out in this movie is like the director, who's obviously a sleazeball... You know, he's always trying to, like, make the perfect show. Mm-hmm. The first girl that dies, he uses an opportunity to lock everybody in himself with the key. And there's this special one key. There's only one entrance in, and exit to this yeah, place. Yeah, I thought that was weird, too. Where is the fucking, what? yeah, there's got to be some sort of regulations where they have to have a secondary door somewhere. You know, right, like why a is, window. Why doesn't it just lock from the door? Why do you have to have a fucking key? Yeah, like it seems weird, right? Yeah, but that's why. So but it adds to the tension, yeah. yeah. So he like he's like, look, I'm paying you all tonight, but you're not leaving. And they don't know that he's actually locked them in. And he gives the key to his assistant, who also dies later. First, she was the first no, one. No, she was the second one to die. Oh, second one. Because she was the one that was on killed on stage in front of everybody. Right. Remember? Right. He's like, here, take this key. Listen to what the director says yeah, and hide it from me. She had the key. I told her to hide it. Yeah, and it's, it's like, oh, you fucking idiots! And then they didn't—they didn't think to like axe through the door until like way later on. It's like, well, it was a metal door. That's a different door you're thinking of. Oh, the main well, door they, to get out is metal. They still could have axed something to get out. <laughs> I'm Why did they go to the roof? I'd like to ask you a question. How would they take an axe through a metal door? Well, I didn't say it. There's, they could axe through something else. Oh, okay, brick. Fuck you, the roof. <laughs> like what the fuck well, the, theoretically there should be a secondary door to get out of right or a window for that matter yeah, somewhere through the fucking window yeah jump out yeah oh there was that other scene where the guy's like getting drilled through the wall through the door mm-hmm. like like half of like two of the people go looking for the killer and then or the key that's what it was they were looking for the key mm-hmm. and then the rest of the cast and everybody's in there is like hiding in the fucking dressing room mm-hmm. and they hear banging on the door on the outside and all of a sudden like the guy's like trying to hold it still and you hear a drill but he just stands there against the door anyway and then the guy right. then the killer punches a hole through the circular part in the door and grabs him and then drills him while holding him like choking him out mm-hmm. through the door and it like spins till his shirt catches it and stops the drill Stupid. which is kind of cool I mean I like that scene why didn't they use the drill to drill through the keyhole? I mean, that's a good point. That's valid. And maybe maybe also, they didn't have a plug that they could plug it in. I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> battery operated at that time, you know? Uh, I also thought it was stupid that she did, they didn't even come across a gun until, like, the very end. Right. They found it in the office like, or whatever. Yeah. How would you not know there was a gun? Like, wasn't, even, there, was wasn't gun. there even any bullets in it? No, there wasn't any bullets in it. Yeah. Because <laughs> at the end, yeah. Yeah. 
And there's a scene where like the killer sets up the stage with all the bodies and he's like using the Oh, oh, he kills the director. We forgot about the director. Like I like that scene because he chops off his arm with the axe. So the director's like, oh, 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 and he's sliding down the wall and then he chops his head off. And later he's like trying to decorate the stage and he's like holding the guy's head and it's got like feathers all on it. Like that he keeps <laughs> smearing all over their bodies. Right. And then he just sits it in this like mannequin's like neck, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. I was like, that fits really well. Yeah. This guy's really creative. He's very creative. Yeah. <laughs> It's a really cool shot, like of all them on stage mm-hmm. with him sitting on it. So I thought that was even, I thought that was pretty cool. So, and that's when you see the key that's stuck in the board. We don't know why, but it's somehow stuck in between two boards on the stage. Mm-hmm. And you would think that he would know, but he doesn't. And this girl's like trying to get this fucking key out from underneath, and she finally does get it while the guy's like petting the cat next to all the dead bodies. Right. Because the cat was, like, eating the organs and shit right, like that. Right, that was funny. <laughs> uh, we were like, that's probably not good for the cat, whatever it is, you know? And then didn't uh, she got the key, and then didn't they end up in the rafters somehow? They won't get back up or something. Yeah, I don't... and then she had to use it. She used the fire extinguisher. Yeah, they, like, trap him up on the thing, and she sprays him in the face of the fire extinguisher, and then he falls, and it hits his head, like, on that thing. It was like, oof. Kind of looked like it might have hurt somebody when they fell. <laughs> I don't know if it was a real body or not, but probably not. Probably not. She stabbed him in the face with a screwdriver before that, and then, doesn't she, like, stab him in the face with a screwdriver, and then heads back up to the catwalk. Oh, there you go. And where then she sprays him. Yeah, and then he falls. And then she kicks over the fucking trash can and catches himself on uh, fire. fire or whatever. Which I thought was kind of cool. And the next scene is her getting out of the hospital and she can't find her watch. So she goes back to the murder scene. Right. Her stupid fucking to watch. To talk to Willie. She's like, Willie, uh, I left my watch in there. He's like, I can't let you in here. And she's like, uh, but you like me, right? He's like, oh, I can do anything you want. And, <laughs> and then he started, he was like, why didn't you, you didn't shoot the gun correctly. You had the safety on. There was, you got to put bullets in the gun. Oh, that's gun. right. Yeah. You, and he kept going on and on about it. Oh my God. And the next thing you know, he's like gone and she turns around and she's like, where's Willie? And then, uh, the and then the killer pops comes up, up behind her and she's like, oh no. And Willie shoots him in the head. And there's the scene at the end where he's laying on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then he smiles. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, you were kind of pissed about that? Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? I that. was like, Jesus Christ. By the oh, way, thing? he did that because in American slashers, you know, they never die. So, so right. you know, he thought uh, he did it as kind of like a, an, a an homage, homage to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's a couple shots in this movie that are very reminiscent of other things as right. a, sort of an homage to other things. A lot of directors do that because it's like they want to show like that they love those films. Uh, sometimes it's unintentional, but sometimes it is an homage like this. Oh, okay. That so. makes sense. Okay. I'm not mad anymore. Okay. Well, I'm glad that that's... Okay. We settled. Now you're we're not losing sleep over we're that. S- we're settled. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah. I don't know. It's still a good film, and I don't mean to put it down because I know that some of you who are listening now are probably really pissed off because it's, it's probably your favorite film. But that's just the thing about movies, you know? Like, it may be your yeah, favorite film, but it's, but it's not, not mine. For, right. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I like the director. I'm a fan of the director. So even if you want to punch Christina, like, just know that she likes Cemetery Man. I do like Cemetery Man. Uh, that was a really good movie. Yeah, that is a pretty fun movie. 
Uh, it's like a fable-esque kind of yeah. weird dream fever movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because the head's like dancing around and whistling and shit. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, Nagi! That was the name of the guy. I don't remember. The Nagi. He's I like the, w- the, the Three Stooges looking dude. I need to watch that. It's been so long. We don't. I, I know that it came out on Blu-ray and we haven't picked it up yet. Oh, my God. Oh, stop telling me these things. I don't have enough money. I have it on DVD. Okay, that's fine. I have the Delamorte Delamore, but it's not a, a I good know. copy. But anyway, we do have another movie by none other than Dario Argento He's called... Like your favorite. He's not my favorite director. No, well, I want one, one of. Yeah. I didn't... Just saying, calm down. God. Jeez, why are you freaking I can't out? Can't comment on it. Why anything? don't you freak Jesus. out? Can you freak out on me? It's called Opera. Opera. And it came out in 1987. I think this is the one that came out in 1990 in the U.S. Right. I think that was the, the release. Yeah, the fright, stage fright came out in '89. I think. Yeah. In the U.S., which they both came out the same year. It was like August and December for this movie, December of 1987, and in Italy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Dario Argento directed this movie. He's done movies like Deep Red, The Birds with the Bird with the Crystal Plumage. We did Phenomena before. He did Suspiria. He did Tenebrae, Inferno, and numerous other films. If you don't know who he is, now you know. And knowing is half the battle. Gia! Oh, anyway, Dario Argento actually helped write some of the screenplay on this, so which is oh. new. It's an original story by Franco Farini, but he also helped with the screenplay in this to make it kind of translate the film better. Oh, okay. You know, some of the music that was in this film was by Claudio Simonetti, who I mentioned earlier, Brian Eno, which was big in the 80s. And Steel Grave, which I'm not very uh, familiar with. They're I the, like that name. The metal band that you hear constantly. There's other oh. bands in it, but those those three are the, the people that you'll mostly hear. Some of the uh, cast that you'll see in this movie is Christina Marcelosh. Marcelak, who plays Betty. She's been in. It's funny. Her main picture is this movie on IMDb, by the way. But uh, her and uh, Dario Argento did not get along for this picture. We'll get into that in the trivia. She was in movies like La Gabbia, Treno de Pana, Ore. Oh, yes. I've heard of all of these. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Simple Like Silver. But she's been in quite a few other films as well. Oh, she was also in a Tom Hanks movie um, called Every Time We Say Goodbye, which she was the lead. Uh, she was the... The love interest, I guess, in the movie. Huh. Uh, Tom Hanks, I guess. Uh, it also stars Ian Charlson, who plays Marco. Oh. The cinematographer on Gandhi did the cinematography in this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, he was also in, as an actor, Car Trouble, The Sun Also Rises, Oxford Bridges, and many more. It also stars Urbano Barberini who was also in movies like Casino Royale, Gore, the Gore movies, you know, Gore 1 and 2, Demons, and many, many more. Also has Daria Nicolodi, who was in Phenomena, which she was the crazy lady in that movie, remember? Oh. She was also in Deep Red, Suspiria, Mother of Tears, and many more. We also have Antonella Vitale, who was in the church? Obviously, she was. She did well for Argento, so she was in Suave's movie, The Church. Afterwards, uh, she was also in Noi Umini Duri and Grandi Magazzini. Christina, 
What did you think of this fine film? Well, it was an opera, okay? Mm-hmm. In case you guys didn't get that. Well, oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. You know, it's didn't an know opera. Uh, th- this movie has some birds in it, which is pretty scary. Ravens. You know, I fucking hate birds. Fucking hate birds. Visually, it was great. It was shot well. The story... Sounds funny. We almost did Killing Birds, too. Yeah, Or Killing did. Birds, which is... Zombie three, zombie five, five, something. Okay. Yeah, and that has a lot of birds in it, so it almost would have matched uh, up. <laughs> hate birds. Um, story wise, it was okay. Really? Yeah, it was just okay. It wasn't like okay. It was like you got. We got to figure out who these this killer is, and there's a twist, you know. And it was I don't know. It wasn't that twisty to me. Okay, so you didn't like the story. Um, what about the acting? Believe, the- believe it or not, like I actually wish there was more opera music in it rather than that. That blue steel. What was that band's name? Grave steel. Grave steel. Grave. Yeah. Grave steel. But I do. He does that though with his movies, huh? He well, he likes to, that. Yeah. He he said that he wanted to make this a worldly movie so that it would be from all different types of music that was being popularized at that time. Right. Which makes sense, but I feel like he sh- should have stuck to the just the whole opera right. part of it because she was like listening to it on the side and that kind of stuff. I thought that would have been. Been better it than did work rock. well for this movie when they did. Did it? I'm talking about the the opera music. Oh yeah, the opera music. Yeah, yeah. not the butt rock. The classical music, whatever. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, the acting was okay. You know, uh, it's funny the main actress when she was doing opera, like you could tell it wasn't her voice. But I mean, she really got into the actual opera. Scene. I can't she imagine that's spent- easy. Right. That's got to be tough to mimic some opera singer. Oh, yeah, totally. Because that know? is way more than just, you know, acting. Because it's usually like Latin or some shit, you know what I mean? And they're saying some fucking, or just Italian, I don't know. Right. Uh, the ending, yeah, it was it was, it was was pretty wild. I did think it was, um, I, th- I thought the ending was worth sitting through because it was slow. But of course it was slow. I knew it was going to be slow going into it, so. Okay, well, did you have any other things that you liked about the film? No, it was. The, it had some cool shots and stuff. Okay. I mean, yeah, it was okay. I gave it a five out of ten. So slightly better than the other one. Yeah. Okay. I Definitely enjoy- not your style. I did enjoy it more than the other one. Okay. But yeah, All five right. out of ten. What about you, Alex? Well, this movie to me is completely different than your experience. So right. this is probably one of our Geno's fully realized, fully utilized knowledge on film. Like this is where everything that he did before it kind of came together for a big picture. It's kind of what he was aiming for, and I found out that this is, he considers one of his best movies, mm-hmm. the top of the stack. So it's interesting, yeah. uh, because I I really do feel like there is a lot of the stuff, like, for example, like, I've seen a lot of Argento's work, and I enjoy his work a lot. I'm not, like, the biggest fan of everything that he does, because some things, it's like he, succe- he succeeds at really well in certain things, while doing not so good at other things. So, like, each movie has a bit of some greatness in it, you know? And this kind of feels like all the cobbled pieces together kind of fit into this movie in a way. Like, suspense. Period. Don't get me wrong. I love that fucking movie from start to finish. The atmosphere. That's kind of a, an experimental film in a way. You know, it's earlier stuff that he did. I know he did Deep Red and all this other shit. The bird with the crystal plumage and shit like that. But I just mean like Suspiria is where he kind of like really lifted off. And then like with this, I think this is where he was really headed. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Like he utilized all his stuff that he had learned up until this point. It just feels like it. It feels a little bit more complete. Now, don't get me wrong. I did find some of the movie to drag quite a bit. 
it felt a little longer than it really needed to be. Um, yep. Obviously, there's a lot of c- characters in this movie, so they're trying to develop them to make you question who this person is because you don't know who the killer is. Mm-hmm. But this this just movie just feels like a classical version of of Argento. Mm-hmm. It may not be for everybody, including me, because like I'm not into this whole this isn't my shtick. But I can recognize talent when I see it, you know. So I would feel bad, you know, giving this one a low score, even though it's not my particular interest. You know, like I said, I I kind of get into a little bit more of the supernatural element in movies, just a little bit more. I like brutal killings and stuff like that, but you know, this definitely has like a classical feel to it. More like Deep Red, I guess, in a way. But this one, you know, I don't know. This one just feels a little bit more big movie. The, some of the shots in this movie are also amazing, by the way. Like, I was like, holy shit, that's a really good shot. Or holy shit, that's a really good shot. Like, they they have at least two or three really fucking amazing shots in this movie that they did. And I can only think that that's because he had an actual budget to be able to do this. Because if you know Argento, he tends to like to do a lot of crazy stuff with the camera to just kind of give it this sort of air about it, which, you know, a lot of really great directors do that like atmosphere, like uh sam raimi you know like argento mm-hmm. does the same thing but in a different stylish way you know there's some shots that i was like how the fuck did he do that you know like how did he get this shot and they orchestrated it all in camera there was no cgi at the time for this you know so it's really impressive how he did some of this he even said that this is some of his most probably the most mentally and physically draining movie he had ever shot mm-hmm. out of every of every one of them so There's a lot of great performances, a lot of great scenes that really make the film as a whole enjoyable for me. Um, You have to bow to a little bit of the set design because it just looks phenomenal in this place that they picked to do the movie in. So it's got this really nice look to it. Very big budget look. Uh, It does, however, like I said, feel like it's too long in a lot of areas. So if you are not into those sort of long burn kind of movies, there's going to be like three healthy portions of dialogue and just like, it's going to take a while. Mm -hmm. But when the good parts do come in, they are spectacular. They really look great. And like I said, the stage and set design, even on the stage that they were doing Macbeth and how they designed the stage for that, they didn't skimp on. Like it didn't look like it was just thrown together. Like they looked like they were putting on the fucking play. Right. It looked good. Yeah, it did. Like it really was fantastic and it all really works. Apparently, Ar- Argento is a huge, huge fan of opera. So you could tell, you, like, he really loves opera, and he said that he wanted to do a film that he was passionate, something he was passionate about, and opera is very something that he is very passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so I think that kind of shows shines through here because it kind of it reminds me of like, have you ever seen the movie Black Swan? No, really? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I know though? what you're talking about, though. It, the ballerina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like I feel like that movie looked at this movie to make this movie almost. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's different. Like they do it completely different. Okay. Um, but it's just it just kind of reminds me of it. Like someone looked back at this and like thought of like how to make a movie like that. Sort of. I don't mm-hmm. know. 
I'm personally not a fan of the the style of opera, and so the class and that classical feel and everything is not exactly high on my interest list, so to speak. But even though it's not high on my interest, like I said, I can still recognize good film when I see it, and I feel like this is at least a 7.5 out of 10. Wow. Yeah, and I'd say even probably an 8, but just based on my own personal interest, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not. You know, yeah, let me try to be fair about it, because like some people say this is like the best film ever. But if I still don't enjoy it as much, even though it is one of his best, if it's not mine. Right. You know, but I still respect the shit out of it. And I still loved a lot of this movie. It just, you know, it didn't resonate with me 100 percent. That makes sense. So I think it's a feat on film nonetheless. And one you might be surprised by if you haven't seen it like me. So if you're into classic sort of giallo style movies, this is definitely a big mark in that scene. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not the biggest giallo fan. You know, I I know that I have a lot of friends that are really into it and they're probably cringing and like crunching their fists right now, probably because I'm saying giallo wrong or something, you know, (laughs) ice cream that are that are probably way more uh, knowledgeable about these movies on that aspect um, as far as like. You know, giallos go. Mm-hmm. So, but that said, I have to be honest. This is what I felt. I still enjoy it. I'm glad I own both of these movies mm-hmm. because I love to collect Italian horror. Mm-hmm. So, that said, I think if you haven't seen or if you have seen Giallo and you haven't seen this, you should definitely check it out. Cool. So, okay. you gave it a five. I gave it a 7.5. So, we give it a 6.25 over both of us. Wow. Yep. We're just lowballing everything here. Lowballing? Uh, I don't know. I think it's a it's a really good film, but it isn't Suspiria to me. You know what I mean? Right. Suspiria is just just that right mix of everything for me. Why I named my cat after it, you know? Because right. And I know you hate that movie. Ugh, you don't like? I don't think you're not a fan of very much Argento stuff. No, I'm not. It's that slow burn shit. Like yeah, he, I can't. Oh, it's I mean, an atmospheric. The, it's the way he does it. It's an atmospheric. Yeah, I, thing, I understand. Yeah. I just that's not my style. Okay? I think some of the music in this one, while they they kind of like, I know that he wanted to be more worldly with it. It just didn't. It was like a mismatch. Yeah, it was. It it totally threw you out of the atmosphere. Right. I thought it kind of does pull you out. And I feel like they, it, this could have benefited from either just sticking with one. Right. Or like doing a score for one. Could you imagine in the spots where there was the butt rock that there was opera music in there? That would have been fucking creepy. Right. Yeah. I mean, directing and writing and producing a new song that's opera would be kind of difficult. Right. Well, but... or even just classical you know yeah 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 no i'm I'm, of course yeah i I totally understand i think most of the stuff was from uh verdi's uh macbeth Mm -hmm. like a lot of the traditional songs that were used in macbeth Uh uh-huh but i don't know opera or that stuff so i can't say i don't even i don't uh, he just i just know that he wanted to have a mix of everything the world was going on at that time and that's always big in movies you know they always want to put out what's popular at the time right to kind of like frame the movie in that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like they do with movies when they try to make it sound 80s. Right. You know, like give it that feel, you know. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. So I was a little, little, just not my favorite thing. But we do have some trivia on it that I think uh, will interest just about anybody um, that we can talk about here. So if you don't want anything spoiled, here is your warning. Warning. Now, this is... 
This movie uses Macbeth by Verdi, like I mentioned. Apparently, Argento had actually done a stage play twice of Macbeth. He got to do it after shooting this movie. Oh. He did it in two different cities, and he said he loved doing it. He said it was was a new way to direct a film because he was using singers and music and Mm -hmm. just lighting and everything is very, you know, different. You know, you have to set up the scenes and stuff like that, but he absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. And I get the feeling that he would probably almost prefer doing that exclusively. Right. But, you know, his talent lies within film, so. Mm -hmm. So the whole curse of Macbeth thing that we've been talking about is a real thing. Oh. Although Argento doesn't necessarily believe in it, he was asked about it, and he said the first time he shot Macbeth, like when he actually directed it live in front of a studio, like an audience and everything, he said there were no problems whatsoever. It went smoothly. The cast and everything were great. The second time he did it in another, when he was getting off the train to go direct it, he fell and broke three ribs. Ouch. And had to direct the whole fucking thing with three broken ribs the whole time. Jesus. So he said that was really tough. He said, so perhaps there's a little truth to it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought was really funny. It's like William Shakespeare, like, cursed. Right. He, like, cursed. No one will ever do this play. So the the history on this is that William Shakespeare play Macbeth is said to be cursed. So actors avoid saying its name when they're in the theater. Hmm. Actors also avoid even quoting the lines from Macbeth before performances, particularly the witches' incantations, outside a, a, a theater and and after a performance. Wow. The play can be spoken of openly, saying the names of the characters, including Macbeth. That all seems to be fine. But if an actor speaks the word Macbeth, which, you know, referring to the Scottish tragedy, not the character, mm-hmm. in a theater prior to one of the performances... They're required to perform a ritual to remove the curse. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And the ritual may vary according to the local custom, so it may be different wherever you are. Right. And uh, one is to leave the theater building or at least the room occupied with the name when the name was mentioned, spin around three times, spit, curse, and then knock to be allowed back in. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> This particular iteration of the ritual is documented in the play The Dresser and its film adaptations. Another example is in the song Take a Break from the hit Broadway musical Hamilton. Oh, okay. Alexander refers to the Scottish tragedy in a letter to Angelica Schulier, who comparing himself and his enemies to the characters in the Shakespearean tragedy, but he won't say what it is. What it is. Because it's it's the curse. curse. Oh, that's kind of cool. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. One of the versions of the legends claims that it was the actor who played Lady Macbeth who died during the play's first production run and that Shakespeare himself had to assume the role. Oh, there there is no, you know, factual evidence proving that that's true. Well, of course not. There's no factual evidence on curses. There's so many superstitions that go on with like like opera and like musicals or theater, like break a leg. Yeah, exactly. Like you have to say that, don't you? Like, yeah, something like that in order to have a good performance. Right. Yeah. Like maybe that's just a saying, but I'm pretty sure it stems back to. You know, ritual. Well, it's in here. I can tell you if you want. I'm okay. <laughs> anyway, so I thought that was really interesting and something that would be cool to bring up and talk about because they kept mentioning it the whole fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Like the, well, that's what the movie's about. Like the, the young girl, like apparently like uh, Verdi 
who wrote Macbeth or that did the musical, the opera, mm-hmm. wanted always to have a young girl do the main role. And so in the beginning of this movie, they talk about, remember the one Mara right. girl? She gets hit by a car and breaks her leg. Right. Break a leg. Right. Uh, which another superstition, right. obviously thrown in there for that reason. Um, they also had this young girl and she kept saying, oh, I'm too young to play the role. And he's like, yeah, but you got the voice and the da 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 It's the curse, though. The original lady who played her originally was like 17 or something. So Right. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that they kind of mixed that the, the lore in here. Mm-hmm. Um, they shot the film in the Reggio de Parma, which had a similar look to the Milan Opera House called the Teatro La Scala, especially on the inside and how big it was. They had some of the same trimming and, you know, gold stuff. That was just kind of the style back then. Right. But Milan wouldn't give him the, the go ahead to do it there. Oh. So he filmed this movie and he also did Phantom of the Opera, his uh, Phantom of the Opera in mm-hmm. the, the Reggio di Parma. So... He said, which was a lot of work. He's like, this place is old as fuck. <laughs> He's like, and it's huge. It, it is huge. So going up and down shots, mm-hmm. you know, having to do all this stuff. He said it was like just a lot of physical work. I bet. Um, they shot with real ravens too, which was also. Yeah, it's huge, which obviously. Yeah. Holy shit. I think they were even killing them. I don't yeah, even know. Yeah, they looked really dead. I, I tried to look that up, but I couldn't see anything. So I don't think they were hurt. But do you think they would point that out? Because it was. They looked real. It did. It seemed like they were getting hit. Yeah. But I don't know. So he said that there was a a moment where one of the ravens actually, when he was shooting it, it was looking at his eyes. Mm hmm. And it went to bite him and he kind of went back, like cocked his head back out of reaction and it bit his lip and he said blood running down his face. Yeah, because fucking birds are fucking the devil. Well, he said ravens in particular have Mm -hmm. a weird temperament about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Which they talk about in the movie, too, because, right. you know, apparently they have really good memories and they don't forget when someone wronged them, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later. But he said that he reeled back out of instinct and he wasn't even mad, though he was like bleeding all over the place. So he said a lot of the Ravens were lost or escaped the theater, though. Oh, I bet. There's a lot. So he said that some lived there for years wow. in like nooks and cranny of that place because there were rooms that hadn't been opened in decades. Uh-huh. Like that have just been there and existed and they never went into that these birds got into. Mm-hmm. And he even said that years later, like two years later, every now and then a bird would land on the stage while they were performing. Oh, wow. So right. <laughs> that's kind of interesting, you know, <laughs> like, how are you going to collect them all in that situation? Anyway? Oh, exactly. Like, so, like it's like fucking a needle in a haystack. Right. That thing's huge. Right. So the person who played the director in the movie, by the way. The blonde guy who was mm-hmm. a British actor, he actually died of AIDS a few years later. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. So this this film kind of became like somewhat of a poster child for like AIDS oh, awareness. AIDS awareness. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because I think they mention AIDS in the movie like a couple of times. Right. I caught that. Because it was like that was when it was like happening. Yeah. It was at, like the prime. So and that same same actor who the British actor who was in this film he actually got in a car accident as well on while being there because he was a British actor in Italy and he was driving on the wrong side of the road. Oh. He just forgot. Right. Because he'd been there for a while and they were like, he right. was used to it. Right. So he forgot and he, he head on somebody. Oh, that's... He was okay, but they had to rearrange... Is the other person okay? Head yeah, on I don't know, but they said they had to rearrange the schedule, so... Mm. 
So I'm guessing Italians drive on the right side? I don't know. Is that right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm confused. Anyway, the lead actress in Argento, I mentioned that they didn't get along really well. Mm -hmm. He said that she was like critical, criticizing everything, like the outfits, the design, uh, everything. And he was like, hey, maybe you should just trust the old people who, you know, (laughs) make these movies. Right. You know, instead of just talking. He was like yelling in one part. Like you could see that he was getting very frustrated with her. Uh Uh-huh. And he said that was the end of their collaboration of working Uh, together after that. I bet. He never worked with her again because of how she just killed him. She was overly opinionated. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like... It's not good. If your input... Like, you know, directors... Some directors will be cool about it. Some won't. Right. He's fucking Dario Argento. Come on. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He's a visionary. Uh, the scene with the bullet in the eye hole. Let's talk about that. That was a great scene. So there's two scenes in this movie that really stick out to me. And one is the bullet in the eye hole of the door scene. And then the other is the birds flying around the audience scene. Right. Which with was just camera amazing work. camera yeah. work. And like the way that they orchestrated all of it to kind of fit together. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And like you'd think, oh, hey, he just shot some woman in the eye through the eye hole that's been done before no they made a miniature like an oversized miniature of the eye hole so that you could see the camera on the inside and they had like a gas powered like bullet that would fly at a slower speed while the glass would break in this long two-foot tunnel that they stick the camera in i didn't even think about that shot like how they would do that fucking cool man that's like the ingenuity that I feel like a lot of films really need these days. Right. That they're missing when they do the CGI. That looked fucking amazing. Like that was so well shot and so well done because not only does he shoot the fucking, it's like a real tense scene because it's like, she's like, are you the killer? Or are you not the killer? Are you the police officer or the killer? Like what's going on? He's like, they I'm the crazy. officer. Yeah. And she's like, you could get that anywhere. And then bang, you see the bullet bounce off the, the wall of the fucking tube and then into her head mm-hmm. out the back of her head while her body's like th- arms are thrown up in the air and the Betty chick is in the background trying to call someone on the phone and the bullet blows the phone up <laughs> all in one fucking right, like shot. just this like edited purely magic edited like it was it's so great that was crazy it's so great that was the best part of the movie i love that scene that mm-hmm. was like i don't know there's some other stuff that they did that built up to it um let's let's just get into our so let's talk about some of the scenes that we liked or disliked. Well, of course, I liked it when he showed up in his mask and he like nabbed her. And, he, and then he like taped the needles to her eyes to keep her it's eyes open. Yeah. So to keep her eyes open. So when he murdered, you know, whoever, like she had a watch. Right. I was like, it's kind of weird. Did we ever really fi- figure out? Oh, that's right. We figured out that the reason that it was happening is because the, 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 the should we just say it this early? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, well, big spoiler warning. If you haven't watched the movie, you don't want to hear this right now, okay? I'm just going to give you that because we're jumping to the end here, and I hate doing that. So we find out that the the police officer, the detective, is the guy the whole time. And it's kind of apparent throughout the whole film. Right. Because, like, he's the guy that's always, like, sticking his head in her fucking dressing room and, like, being weird. Being all slithery, sleuthy. Yeah, and he's always talking about her in some weird way. Mm. And, like, we find out that he did it because he was in love with her mother, who also died. 
and she and he killed her and because she wasn't like good enough at the the Macbeth at Macbeth or something like no. that so he like hears her voice and knows that she's the one and so he tries to like be romantic with her too even though he killed her mother that's so romantic it yeah, isn't it though yeah like, it's, a, and it's then also full circle the, yeah, you know? tape her down and then murder all her friends and yeah hey totally this is romantic. how much I love you Watch why don't this. you do that for me <laughs> Well, first of all, I would put the tape up higher than closer <laughs> to your eyeballs than he did. Oh, but you I would know just, that, you know, safety first, safety first. You, you would gotta just make tape it... up my mouth. Yeah, well, I wouldn't, I've done that a few times in my mind. Uh, we can try that out. <laughs> no, I've never thought that. <laughs> uh, liar. I have not, no. Whatever. I just think it's funny. Um yeah, like if realistically, if you're gonna put the tape under their eyes, they delicately put it on her cheekbones so that it keeps right. it keeps looking like it's like the needles are poking her eyes. But they did it really close, and it is kind of dangerous, right? Like well, I'm it, sure they weren't sharp, you know? Uh, who I'm sure knows? They're like dull needles, right? You know? <laughs> there were dull, sharp, small things, you know. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting that, like the the the, the character. The murderer wanted her to see every time what he did to all these people. And some of the kills in this movie, they, why they weren't as memorable as I think they should have been, um, some of them were. I I also think that they were kind of like more in, uh, intimate. So they were like uh -huh. up close and like unyielding. So like there's a scene where the oh, guy okay. stabs that girl through the mouth. Oh, that's right. Okay. And that was fucking brutal. Right. Like right up and through her oh, jaw. Oh, yeah, like through the jaw, like the lower jaw part. Yeah, and it's like you get a close-up of it in her mouth, mm -hmm. like moving around. And I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? Right. Like it looked really shit. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was crazy. There's a lot of brutal kills, but they aren't like glorious over-the-top fucking death scenes. You know right. what I mean? And I felt like they should have been. I feel like it could have been a little bit more, but I don't know. I mean, it's still a more classical film. Mm -hmm. So having too much, you know, might have been taken away from what he was trying to go for. Well, it makes sense. You know, there was the scene with the birds pulling out the guy's eyes and a bunch of people getting stabbed in the chest. Mm -hmm. Oh, that scene where the fucking chick swallows the fucking key by accident. Oh, yeah. And then fucking he cuts open her chest, oh, yeah, which we was... don't get to see. Yeah, but they they kept uh, you can hear the noises. The noises because really I was like, what is brutal. he doing? <laughs> that was brutal. Yeah, that was. And that is the girl that was in uh, Lamberto Bava's Demons Two as the girl for her birthday. Oh, okay, the birthday party. Yeah, Angela or whatever. Uh huh. Yeah. Where she's freaking out that her ex-boyfriend's coming over. Oh, and she's being okay. a real bitch about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> she plays the seamstress in this movie, who's also kind of a badass in this role. Yeah, because she went after him with an iron. Yeah, she fucking yeah. like played with his head like pretty cool. And yeah. I thought that was kind of a neat thing that I, they did. I in did the movie. too. It was really like, oh, Because she just normally didn't it's give not up. like that. It's usually like damsels in up. distress. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, ah, like the main chick in here. She she fucking Yeah. yeah. She Ugh. she did really good in this because like I think he tackles her he throws a fucking iron at her back <laughs> right because she's got this bracelet that they find attached accidentally to this dress that he tore up earlier and they pull it off and she's like this isn't real this is real gold I don't know whose this is and she goes in the back to look at like what the inscription says because it's worn off from wearing it so long mm -hmm. and she's like it says a date and a name and I think it's like da -da -da. an she anniversary. Yeah, and he comes out and he's like, oh, is this what she's like? 
is this what you want? She's like, come and get it. And she runs and he chucks a fucking iron at her back. Right. And I was like, ooh, just that's like kind of brutal. Like yeah. it's not bloody. Right. But it's enough to knock you down. Right. She was like, ooh. And then she was like, fine, just take it. Comes up behind him and fucking knocks him the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And then she's like. Wants to see who's under the mask. He's like, oh, who is right, it? Right, and then doesn't she take it? It's you, and then she gets stabbed. Right, the... he chokes her out and yeah. then stabs and her. Ch- chokes her and stabs her. Then cuts open her fucking chest cavity so to sweet. get the key out, or get the, the fucking bracelet, bracelet out. Which is kind of a neat little touch that it fell in her mouth when they were, like, fighting. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. I don't mm-hmm. know. This is that extra. Like, I'm trying to think. There was that other movie where they, like, the key falls in a zombie's mouth and they have to stick the machete in and turn it uh-huh. to try to get it out so it doesn't bite his hand. Oh, that's weird. And it's oh, just thinking is. about that kind of thing while that's going on. Is there another scene that you want to talk about? You know, the whole scene where she gets shot in the eye through the people, I liked the suspense in that and then the confusion about the guy it was, was all happening really fast yeah and it was happening like do 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 I really like that there was some really fast paced stuff in in this sort of yeah, slow movie yeah oh but... god but then you have these long drawn out yeah it does feel like a uh, so I don't like that it's like you know you're crashing you know I mean, there's a lot of, like, hints and stuff and the stuff that they talk about. Because, like, he, like, the detective, like, you, like, I'm thinking back on all the different things. He's like, where'd you get those those marks on your wrist? Right. And he's like, let me see. Let me see your wrist, you know? He asks what happens. She explains how this guy keeps forcing her to watch him kill, but never shows his face. And she's afraid to be alone and tells him. And he's like, I'll have one of my guys watch her. Right. This is right at the house, the part you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So he's like some guy named Suave, which is spelled S-O-A-V-E, not S-O-A-V-I, mm-hmm. like Michele Suave, by the way. I just thought to point oh, okay. that out because the Suave is just a different name. Uh-huh. But one of the guys, the police guys, is suave, and she's at home and puts drops in her eyes. And they have this kind of interesting scene, which I think should have lasted a lot last time. She was putting drops in her eyes, and it should have she should have been able to see shortly after that. But they did some like distorting of the lens to make it look like she couldn't see. Yeah, who she the, had blurry vision, so she right. couldn't see the person who was coming into the apartment. Right. So like she thinks it's the police. It's actually the detective killer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened is that he goes back outside or something like that when they hid mm-hmm. and they lock him out or something. Isn't that what happened? Or or was no, the, no. the original detective? The So the lady comes, her friend comes and and says she ran into a police in the in the downstairs. Who was giving her a bunch of shit, asked her too many questions. Right. And she was like, oh, my God, the killer's in here with me. Right. And then they go hide. But I think that was actually the detective and the right. guy downstairs I, was... I have no idea. That whole... Because somehow he got in to kill the cop because the cop was already in there well, dead. Well, because he's a detective too, so, so think about it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting kind of It was. Like, it was. I liked that scene. Yeah. It was a really effective way to create atmosphere though. Because there was a mm-hmm. lot going on, and I think that just that whole build up there and that whole scene and everything all the way to the phone exploding was just perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think, doesn't she like escape through like a vent after that by like a little girl? Yeah, a little girl comes and was like, hey. And they go through the vent and they go right, to her apartment. Right, which we're like, who the fuck is this little girl? Yeah, that was weird. That was a weird little <laughs> but, ad thing. But they did this cool thing with the camera as she's getting in the vent, mm-hmm. it like spins it the camera. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool too. That's a really effective way to like, but again, the music fails at this part. So like, right. it should have been like, 
I don't know. Suspenseful. They're to, get, they're getting away. Like no, not but trying no. to put down Claudio Simonetti or anything like that, but but rock. Like when she finally does escape her own apartment complex, she ends up going back to the opera house, which seems like a very obviously shit idea. By the right. way, like why would you do that? He follows her all the way there. And also, why did why did the cops not like keep her in custody? I never because she's already witnessed like all these murders and she didn't even tell the cops. Well, why wouldn't she always have a like, cop with her at all any yeah. second at least? He's the head detective, that's why. Oh yeah, that's true. So he can so control he needs that. Her, he needs her free. Well, the next day they have this performance, like another performance, and they decide to trick the killer into being found out by choosing him out in the audience using the crows. They were like, We're gonna use the crows and they don't really explain how. Right, but then that's when the cool shot comes in. Yeah, like, she's singing on stage with the guy, and then this fucking cage comes swinging through the fake window, slamming on the ground with some dude in it, and he's stomping on the cage to scare the birds, but the birds didn't get scared, and only one comes out. One bird flies out, Mm -hmm. and is, like, circling the whole opera house, which is really cool, and they had this, like, the way they did that, by the way, Christina, is in the middle of the room, they, they had a chandelier. They took the chandelier down, and they had this pulley system on and, and a spinning bar. So, like, they had two cameras on both ends, mm-hmm. and they spun it like this, like around. Oh, weird. To make that bird thing. Uh-huh. So, when you see the camera drop down, and it kind of looks like it's floating... Right, like it's They flying. did a really good job there. Yeah, they did. And I thought that was a really, like, unique, rare shot to get in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it attacks... Or no, it doesn't attack. All the other birds come out, and then right. it starts attacking the, the fucking detective. Right. And rips out his fucking eye. <laughs> and it looked like one of the birds tried to swallow the fake yeah, one. Yeah, the and, fake eye, the obvious yeah. fake eye. And it was, like, sticking its tongue <laughs> In the eye hole. Uh-huh. It's funny. <laughs> those birds are kind of creepy. He gets a lot of those shots of the birds' eyes and everything in this movie, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. Because, like, the very opening scene is, like... The birds. The birds. Always the birds. Always these fucking birds. Yeah. Well, hey, man. I mean, if you got them, use them, right? Yeah, they even like do a reflection in the eye of them training the orchestra to do the music or whatever mm-hmm. to the opera and everything like that. So, so how does this end, Christina? You want to talk about oh, that? Oh God, you didn't well, like it. You said no. She she like uh, the end end. Well, she sets well, yeah, him he, on fire. He, he convinces her. He tells her what it, you know. You have the same body and voice and skin as her. And he was like, I was her slave, which they didn't explain. But I guess he means like. I don't know. I don't know what kind of slave you meant, but he's like, he ties her to a chair in the room, blindfolds her, and pours gas all over the room, too. Then puts a gun in her hand as he tells her how to point it at him to kill him, like, while she's blindfolded, right? So she can't see where she's aiming. She fires, and you hear, like, something fall on the ground. And you think it's him, but he threw a doll down. Right, which is stupid. And then it catches fire, and so she... So everybody thinks you she know, gets he, out by shooting the the rope with the gun, right? Which I thought was kind of ingenious. Yeah. Um, and she gets out. She struggles to get out. She gets out. Then all of a sudden, she's in like Switzerland or some shit with the director. Well, the whole place and, goes up first of all, and then yeah, she it cuts. It's like happy day. They finally got him, but mm-hmm. she's in Switzerland. And, he said that this was a callback to phenomena. Because they use the fly trick. 
in oh, that movie. And that's why when and they, that's how they did to, it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he said that was kind of a callback to that because it was the same area where they shot. I was wondering, I was like, they're doing that for some reason. Okay, good. Yeah. Good so I thought that was that. interesting, like that they used that. That's where the right. yeah. So she goes out of the house to like, I don't know, walk around or do stupid shit. And then he hears on the TV that he didn't really die. They yeah, they're didn't like, find a body. Yeah, they were like, We were looking for the remains of the detective, but we we, we found the remains of a of a uh, what do you call it? A mannequin. Yeah, a mannequin. So then he starts yelling out the window that he's not dead, he's not dead. And he's made it all the way to Switzerland. He comes running out of the field. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really confusing because then the director, the blonde-haired director, who she's with in Switzerland, is running behind the killer or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. But it, it was dumb. He chases her somehow and then... He stabs the director and she's like, I'm like my mother exactly like her to try to trick him. Oh, right. Like, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Yeah. And he tells and he tells him to come with her and he does. And she smacks him in the back of the head with With a a rock. rock. And then there's like this weird scene where she's like running through the field. She looks through the grass. She finds a reptile like trapped under a branch and she picks up the branch and it gets away. And she's like, you're free now. You're free now. And then hugs the grass. The end. I was like, what? Yeah, that's opera for you. So, well, no. Okay, so I did watch sort of like um, Dario Argento talk about what he his main goal of this movie was. Mm-hmm. And he said it's all about perspective and like what you see through other people's eyes. Okay. And then he wanted to make a big point about that in particular, that everything's a little bit different through everybody's eyes. Okay. I don't know. So That's, I don't get it. I don't either. <laughs> what? <laughs> so maybe he was free. Maybe the guy was free. She was kind of like insinuating that the he was- The guy was free from being a psycho? A slave to her mom. <laughs> Which makes no sense. She was like, I felt that too, buddy, but I had to kill you with a rock. <laughs> she was a real bitch. Yeah, and everybody else I know you killed. Yeah, by the way, thanks for that. One. You're yeah. cool. Yay. I love your passion. <laughs> Uh, yeah. He he got on a plane after being wanted with an eye missing, by the way. His face mm-hmm. is all completely recognizable. Gets on a plane to Switzerland and finds her out there. Right. Yeah. This is a fucking determined, passionate killer. I mean, you got to right. give it to him. Well, He's why didn't, willing to go to Switzerland for her. It's like Hannibal or something. Why shit. didn't he just kill her in the first scene when he had her instead of tying her up? Yeah, that's a good And question. making her watch, you know? Because he didn't want to kill her. He wanted to share with her. He wanted his wife. He wanted that lady bag. He just wanted a role reversal. He, he pulled a switch on him. Oh, so Jesus. He wanted to be a top. Okay. And he was treated like okay, a bottom. Okay, I got it. <laughs> got it. I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to switch, at least let them know. You know? <laughs> I guess he kind of did. Anyway. <laughs> How do we turn this into a weird shit thing? Okay, well, let's talk about BDSM. All right. Yeah, that was good. No kink shaming, of course. <laughs> Anyway, so thank you guys for coming by. We really appreciate you guys. We hope you enjoyed our sort of breakdowns of that. Sorry to anybody. This is their favorite movie. We try to do it justice. We try to be fair about it. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I try to be fair about it, but, uh, you know, and point out what I like or dislike about things. So hopefully I covered most of that, gave you guys some trivia, and maybe you had a laugh or two along the way. Are you a top or a bottom? Let us know in the comments. Say. 
<laughs> anyway, guys, next week we're going to be doing our hammer horror of the picks that we picked earlier in the episode. I will go ahead and mark that. If you missed it for some reason, just go back and check out the timestamps below. And we'll be doing our hammer horror movies next week. So thank you guys so much. And as always, long live the point.